We are uh, finishing up our series called Abundant Life Skills today. We are getting her done. So we should be all the way into Abundant Life by about 10 minutes to 12. So very excited about that. Um, but here's the, the series we've been doing. We've looked at some of the most outlandish promises in the scriptures and thought to ourselves, how might we possibly get there? How is this going to actually work? If this is true, how can we grab a hold of it? So we read Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, which says this. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Again, the word prosperity, the translated from the word shalom, bring you peace, that it would go well with you, that all parts of your life are going good, that will bring you greater quality and quantity of life. That's an outlandish, incredible promise. And we read John 10, 10, where Jesus is speaking and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In the King James, they may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's where the name of the series came, Abundant Life Skills. But does just reading these verses do us any good? We've got to learn how to grab hold of these promises. Most Christians, they read John 10.10, 10, they're like, life and life more abundantly, woohoo! Then they change nothing, and five years later, they open their Bible again, and they look at it, and they're like... What a bunch of baloney. Life and life more abundantly. Nothing's changed for me at all since the first time I read that verse five years ago. Well, if you don't change anything, if you don't learn his ways and walk in his ways, it's not going to make any difference for your life. You're going to have the same life. And so we need to learn the skills in order to apprehend the promises of God. So um, I want to talk about that a whole lot. But you guys get that. I've said that every week. You know, we've got to learn these abundant life skills. And so we've been covering a whole bunch of different ones, trying to define and acquire abundant life skills. And we talked about being able to hear and follow Jesus in this din of religion. And so that's faith, being able to hear Jesus and follow Jesus in this world. There's so many distractions, so many things going on. We talked about getting a right self-identity being okay with who you are, coming to peace with who God made you to be, and understanding the authority you have as a believer. We talked about our relationship with money and handling money the right way. We talked about intimacy, if you know what I mean, making sure we handle those sorts of things the right way because those things can take people down. They can pull us out of abundant life. We talked about uh, the renewing of the mind and being able to see through eyes of faith rather than through you know, fantasy and, and irrational ideas and just being able to see clearly, uh, seeing for the long haul and things like that. And then uh, last week, what did we talk about? Something really important. Oh, the ability to overcome. That's right. I was doing pretty good there, wasn't I? Yeah. Uh, overcoming. Because you know what? You will face trials. You will face struggles. You will have things to overcome. There isn't one human being that gets through this life without having to overcome. We'll either get crushed or we will overcome. You don't get to, over, you don't get to abundant life by getting crushed. You get to over, abundant life by overcoming, by getting through it and staying in faith and getting the victory. So today we're going to finish it up by talking about finding your purpose, your reason to be. So let's pray, and we'll endeavor to make some progress with this topic. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. 
I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us today. Help us to, to reach up to you and grab hold of something good. So bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Finding your purpose, finding your reason to be. Here's the abundant life skill that we're looking for. We want to be able to find and embrace our specific purpose in Christ. Okay, we want to find and embrace our specific purpose in Christ. Step one is to find it. Well, I'll give you a few simple tools in helping to find your, your specific purpose. Then there's embrace, right? Those are two different things. Have you ever known what God wanted you to do, but you didn't want to do it? There's finding what God wants you to do, and then there's embracing what God wants you to do. And all of these things are in Christ. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? I get to be part of the body of Christ. You get to be part of the body of Christ. Good Hope Church is part of the body of Christ. We are part of what God is doing. So we need to see our purpose inside the whole, inside the larger group, inside the move of God, rather than just individually and personally. So we want to find and embrace our specific purpose in Christ. So, here's two important questions to ask. Question number one, what is God trying to do? Right? That's an important question to ask. What is God trying to do? When we ask God that, He will give us answers. Like, for example, if I ask God, what are you trying to do with the relationships of the different churches in the Cloquet area? God, what are you trying to do with the different churches and their relationships? I can ask Him that question, right? And then it's pretty clear that it isn't Make sure that everybody knows you're right and everyone else is wrong. It, God's not going to tell me that, right? Because that's just an egocentric pride thing. It wouldn't be something that God wants to do. That would be the wrong question, like, what do I want to do? Don't ask that question. What do I want to do? I'll tell you what I want to do. I was thinking about that before. Um, I want to do prayer retreats in the Boundary Waters. You know, all summer long, we'll just do prayer retreats. That'll be awesome. You know, that's what I want to do. Well, uh, sweet. I've done that before. It's great. But guess what? It's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants to do. And when that's part of the plan, great. We'll do prayer retreats in the boundary waters. But the rest of the time, I'll be hauling sheetrock or whatever the case may be. Right? What does God want to do? So we need to ask that question. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in my family? What do you want to do in my church? What do you want to do at my workplace? What do you want to do with my neighbor? What do you want to do in this area? God, what do you want to do? That's the first question. The second question is, and Lord, what's my role? What's my role in that? What piece of that would you want me to take? So that will help us to see God's plan for our lives. Lord, what do you want to do? And what's my role? Now, did you know you're valuable to God? You're as quiet as the first service. 
Did you, did you know you're valuable to God? Yeah, yeah be excited about that because that's a big deal. You are valuable to God, and you are valuable to God for two reasons. Reason number one is that He likes you. You know, He doesn't need a reason for it. In fact, He doesn't even have one except He just likes you. You know, like you don't need to deserve Him liking you. you, 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 you he just likes you. That's the grace of God. God likes you. Hallelujah. So you're valuable. He likes you so much, he was willing to pay a price for you. A high price. You're valuable to him just because of who you are. He just likes you. But you're also valuable to God for another reason. Here's my uh, provocative statement of the day, so I better get it right. Here's the second reason why you are valuable to God is because there are things that you can do that he needs help with. There are things you can do that God needs your help with. I don't know if that's going to shake your theology because of all the omnis we attach to God, but God can do whatever he wants, right? And he's set up the system in such a way as to give responsibilities to us, to give opportunities to us, to give things to us to do. For his kingdom. And if we don't do them. They go undone. You are valuable to God. Because there are things you can do. That God needs your help with. We really like the first value. In our culture today. Because there's no responsibility with it. There's no uh, expectation. We're just loved by God, you know, and we sing songs like, even though I'm a complete loser, God still loves me, you know, and all that sort of thing. And that's true. That's the grace of God. Hallelujah. But I tell you, in the other value, the value of there are things you can do that God needs your help with, that's where you will find your purpose. That's where you will find your purpose, is in the things you can do that God needs your help with. So... um, Are you catching that? Like, for example, I've got three kids. Does God need my help in raising them? Or can I just walk away? He's going to need my help, right? To give them a good Christian upbringing. I've got a role in that. I've got a a purpose. I've got, God, what do you want to do with my kids? What's my role? He's going to need my help. I can't just walk away and expect God to be the father of my children. Right? I've got to do my part. So in order to get a grip on this and understand what, uh, what our purpose is, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at some events in his life. And, you know, Paul had a clear understanding of what God had called him to do, right? He was driven. He was focused. He was on task from, you know, I mean, he was just an aggressive guy. And so we're going to look at what happened with Paul. We're going to start in Acts chapter 26, and we're going to look at Paul's account of his road to Damascus experience when he's on trial before King Agrippa. So anyway, Paul was not a Christian. He was a Pharisee. He was 
uh, a Jewish believer in God, but he rejected Jesus as the Christ. And he thought all the people that believed in Jesus were bad people. So he would go around and round them up and take them to jail, you know, for thinking the wrong thoughts. And so he was doing this on a very aggressive level. Um, And so he was on his way to Damascus to go get some Christians. And then there was a divine intervention. This is Paul's account of it in Acts chapter 26. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So it says Saul, that was his name. He got renamed Paul, just like, you know, uh, Peter got renamed. It was one of the things that they did. Um, Paul just means small. He, he got renamed small. <laughs> the apostle small. Um, meaning he was the big man, and now he's humbling himself before God and just serving God. It's not about him. He's small. He's diminishing so God can increase. He says here, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Kick against the goads. What does that mean? Well, I looked it up. So I can tell you. Back then they didn't have tractors. They had oxen, right? And they didn't have gas pedals. They had pointy sticks. And so when they wanted the oxen to go, they'd poke them with the stick. You know, and that's called a goad, like a cattle prod. You know, and they'd have like little metal spikes on the end of them. Or, you know, if you're poor, you just whittle it down. And you, but you, they poked the oxen with these pointy sticks called a goad. And so if you were an oxen and you're tired, you know, like, dude, leave me alone, you know. And the, but the dude wants you to go forward. So he pokes you with the stick. What's that going to do to your attitude? You know, you, you're probably not going to like that a whole lot. So some oxen, rather than going, oh, okay, all right. They would kick, like, leave me alone, jerk poking me with that sharp thing. Well, what happens when you kick against the goads? What happens if the dude is poking you with a sharp stick and you kick the sharp stick? Is that good for you? No, it's increased pain. It's it's more difficulty for you. And guess what? He's going to keep poking you till you go forward anyway. It is not good for you to resist what I want you to do. It is hard for you to kick against the goads, Jesus says. Verse 15. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? So Paul has no idea what's going on. And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. So Paul is saying to Agrippa, here's what happened. I had this vision And so that's what I did. Now, let's look at the two questions we asked earlier. What does God want to do? And what is my role in that? What does God want to do? That's in verse 18. What is God trying to do? God is trying to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. 
and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God wants to open their eyes so that they're no longer confused about the way life works. They're no longer drawn to darkness to release people from the power of Satan and bring them into the power of God for salvation, for freedom, for deliverance, so that they could receive forgiveness of sins and a place in God's eternal kingdom, a place among those who are sanctified by faith in God. Is God still interested in that? Absolutely. (laughs) This is what God wants to do. It's what he's trying to do. And so what was Paul's role? That's in verse 16. Verse 16, Jesus says, Now get up and stand to your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. So God was trying to open people's eyes, bring them out of the power of Satan into the power of God, forgive their sins, and give them a place in God's eternal kingdom. That's what he was trying to do. And Paul's role was to be a servant and a witness, to serve the Lord and be a witness of God's power, to tell people about what God has done. So that's pretty straightforward. A lot of times we don't get that straightforward of an answer from God. What's my role? (laughs) I have appointed you. (laughs) You know, we don't usually get that, right? For us, it's more vague. It's a little bit more difficult to discern because we don't have a vision from heaven of Jesus coming down and saying, I have appointed you to go do this specific thing because this is what I want accomplished. Be a servant. Be a witness. So... Let me give you four lessons we can learn to help us in our own lives understand what our specific purpose and calling is in our life. Okay, lesson number one, don't kick against the goads. All right? Don't kick against the goads. Again, have you ever had a knowledge, God wants me to do this, and you resist it? All that does is more damage. Don't kick against the goads. Did Paul get to choose his calling? Was he like, you know what? Maybe I'll be a teacher, you know, maybe I'll be a fireman, you know, maybe. No. God shows up to him and says, You have been appointed to be a witness and a servant. Here's your job, go do it. Get up. (laughs) He didn't get to pick. He was appointed. We don't get to pick either. Right? Have you ever had God tell you to do something you didn't want to do? You don't get to pick. The only thing you get to pick is whether or not you embrace what He has called you to do or whether or not you resist what He has called you to do. Right? That's what we get to choose. Do we embrace what he's called us to do or do we resist what he's called us to do? So here's the abundant life skill that we need in order to get our purpose. And that is to joyfully embrace God's purpose for your life. 
Don't kick against the goads. Joyfully embrace God's purpose for your life. You can do that on a small scale and then it grows and grows and grows. Lesson number two. Develop your abilities and spiritual gifts. So it's one thing to joyfully embrace. Then you've got to gain the skills necessary in order to actually do your calling. So like, for example, if someone's called to be a worship leader and they never do their music lessons and they don't learn how to sing and that sort of thing, are they going to get to be a worship leader? No, the calling will be there. They'll be drawn to it and they'll come to me and say, hey, Pastor Mike, I want to be a worship leader. I'm like, great, let me hear you sing. And they'll be like, wow, you're not going to be a worship leader. You know, uh... (laughs) Because you don't have the skills. You need to develop the skill set. You've got to be able to develop your abilities and your spiritual gifts in order to be able to get into your calling. Otherwise, you're not going to be fit to serve. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. We get, I'm sorry, chapter 5. It's, yeah, you're awesome. Chapter 5, they do it right even when I throw them off. You know, it's amazing. Hebrews chapter 5, here's an example of not developing in your giftings and missing your calling. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. How's that for a wonderful verse? We'd like to tell you about the truths of God, but you're just not that bright. You know, like, that's in the Bible? Like, wow. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. So what were they called to do? To be teachers. You ought to be teachers. You have been appointed to be teachers. You're supposed to be teachers. But you can't be because you don't even know what's going on. You've got to be taught. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, you should have trained yourselves to distinguish good from evil. You should have been in this constant use situation so that by now you'd be able to walk into your calling and be a teacher. But instead of being a teacher, you've got to be taught because you haven't learned the skills. Is that encouraging for you? Are you feeling... (laughs) Are you feeling good about yourself? Um, But hey, it's a frustrating life knowing you're called to do something, but you don't have the developed spiritual gifts or the developed skills to be able to do it. Develop your skills. It's part of getting into your purpose. Third lesson. You will have to persevere through difficulty. If you're going to get into your purpose... There will be things to overcome along the way. There will be battles to fight. There will be unpleasant experiences that you will have to fight through. You will have to persevere through difficulty. Jesus said to Paul, I've appointed you to be a servant and a witness of the things I have shown you and will show you. And so then it was all happy after that for Paul, right? He's just happily going through life. Hi, I guess Jesus is awesome. Oh, great. You know, there were battles, weren't there? Let's look at one in Acts chapter 16. 
So Paul is doing what he's supposed to do. He's going to Philippi. He's preaching the word. Different things happen. And here's what, where we end up uh, after the revival meetings. Acts 16.22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So they were severely flogged. This is the culture that tortured Jesus to death because they didn't like what he had to say. How would you like to be severely flogged in that culture? That's a bad day. Verse 24. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So they're just serving God. They're doing their calling. They get severely flogged. They're put in the inner cell. They get their feet in the stocks. How would you be feeling about that time? You know, you'd be like, What's the deal? Right? Come on, God. I did what you told me. What do you, you... You get me publicly beaten and humiliated. Now I'm in jail. You know, like... Uh, can't even sleep. Got my feet in the stocks. How did Paul and Silas respond? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. They decided, you know what? Let's have a church service. Let's have a prayer and worship time. So they're, they're singing the praises of God. They're singing their love for God. They're praying. And they've got a captive audience. So they're having themselves some church. You know? And if you've read the rest of the story, you know that, that God was so moved by that, he shook that place. And the chains fell off and the doors opened. And we'll talk about that another day. They had to overcome, guard their hearts against disappointment and still trust God. Just like the word that Robin brought up at the, during the worship time. That if Paul and Silas had just gotten depressed and mad at God, that had been it for Paul and Silas and God would have had to appoint somebody else. But they persevered through difficulty. Now, don't waste the pain, but learn the lessons and go forward. So, did you know that Paul learned a lesson during that flogging? Let's watch this. Acts 22. So, this is uh, six more chapters in. Acts chapter 22. Paul's in the same situation. He meets some nice people. They want to kill him, you know. Uh, And... (laughs) Here's, here's where we end up. The commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and questioned in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. Paul, I want to meet that guy so bad. I would be like, Paul. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported, what are you going to do? He asked, this man is a Roman citizen. Paul learned he could use his Roman citizenship to keep from getting beat up all the time. So, he didn't get beat up this time. He didn't get flogged. He got beat up the first time in a Roman colony of Philippi. He could have said, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, but he didn't. So he got severely flogged, and he learned the lesson to tell everyone he's a Roman citizen. Learn the lessons. It will go better if you learn those lessons When you go through difficulties, when you overcome through difficult times, learn the lessons so that you can have it get easier as time goes on. 
So lesson number three, you'll have to persevere through difficulty. Lesson number four is this, is that if you find and embrace your calling in Christ, God will reward you. God will reward you. In our culture, we get nervous about being happy that God will reward us. Let me tell you, God wants you to have in your mind a spirit of thankfulness that when this is all said and done, He will reward you. It's part of what faith is. From Hebrews eleven six, we see that uh, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. So part of faith is believing God is real. Very important part, but that's not the end of the sentence. And that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I give you permission this morning to be happy that God will reward you for doing the right thing even when it's difficult in this world. God will reward you. Now there's two types of rewards. Reward number one is you actually get to live out your purpose. You actually get to be someone who who knows they're doing what they should be doing, what God has called them to do and you get to do that battle and you get to be engaged in that and that's fun. Paul said his reward was that he got to preach the gospel free of charge. That's today's reward. But there's also another reward, and that's well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? It's another reward, which is treasures in heaven. It's another reward, which is eternal life in the paradise of God. Lesson number four, he will reward you. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We're going to close. But as we pray... Let's get specific. What are some things that God wants to do that He needs your help with? When we pray, I want you to ask God those questions. What do you want to do with my family? What do you want to do at my school? What do you want to do with my friends? What do you want to do with my neighbors? What do you want to do in this church? What do you want to do in this community? What do you want to do And what's my role? What does God want to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you would show us what you want to do. Lord, we know you want to set the captives free. We know you want to bring people from death to life. We know that you want to to see people brought into salvation and to be set free from the clutches of the devil and brought into abundant life and underneath your mighty hand. We know you want to do those things. But Lord, what do you want to do in our homes? What do you want to do at our workplaces? What do you want to do in our marriages? What do you want to do with us personally in our own hearts? What do you want to do? And Lord, what do you want me to do? What's my role? What's my part? Lord, show each one of us what you would have us do. Lord, and we know that when all of us do all our part, that that burden is light when we stand together for your purposes. So Lord, I pray that each one here would be able to find and embrace their specific purpose in you. Lord, show them, 
Help them to grab hold of it. Help them to persevere. Help them to develop their skills and spiritual gifts. Lord, bless them mightily in that way. Help us all. Lord, I pray your strength would be with us. I pray your light would shine in our hearts so bright that it would overflow into our world. Let it be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We got the prayer teams up here, up front. Come on up, receive prayer. Doesn't matter what the need is. If you just want to come up, come up and get prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Uh, Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.